I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, a look at pandemic crime trends. For people who follow crime statistics, as I do, and as my guest today, Susie Nielsen, does, the pursuit can be frustrating. People always want to know what explains why crime goes up and down, but it's almost never clear. Then came the pandemic, and some clear trends emerged. For example, murders and gun violence surged all over the place. And in San Francisco, car burglaries went down, while home burglaries went up. Now that the pandemic is ending, there are signs that crime is returning to more quote-unquote normal levels, for better or for worse. Susie Nielsen is part of the Chronicle's new data team, and she's been breaking down all the numbers. Susie, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Susie, so you've been breaking down crime statistics at a really interesting time. We are coming out of the pandemic. Tuesday was the big reopening, and you you noted that they seem to be normalizing, and that's not necessarily a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing, but there were some big trends during the pandemic. Yeah, so the pandemic, I mean, it just altered the everyday fabric of normal life in so many ways. Um, And along with that, it altered crime trends in a lot of different ways, too. So um, during the pandemic, as we've previously reported, um, in San Francisco specifically, burglaries went way up, as did thefts of motor vehicles. But actually, um, a lot of violent crimes went down. So assaults, assault rates went down, robberies went down, uh, homicides went slightly up last year, but they're pretty far down. This year, overall, the homicide rate in San Francisco is nearing historic lows and has been for the last several years. Uh, So our most recent analysis used San Francisco Police Department incident data to compare monthly crime rates during the whole pandemic to crime rates in 2019. And um, we found that over the last couple of months, most of these different types of crimes that we looked at are slowly moving away from their pandemic-era highs and lows and back towards their 2019 levels, more or less. Um, The one exception is thefts of motor vehicles, which remain close to their average levels during the pandemic, which have been pretty high. But the thefts of motor vehicles over the last few months have still been way down from their high point during the pandemic. All right. Uh, Maybe for another show, I still don't understand why it's possible to steal a car in 2021. (laughs) It seems like something that should have been solved. Maybe you and I can revisit it in the future. Um, Before we go on into the, the data, though, I think it's important to say, because I think people forget that crime has been falling for something like 40 years. And it's something that the Chronicle has written a lot about, the Vanishing Violence series that we did. So these, some of these surges uh, that we've seen in some crimes are coming off of very historic lows. Yeah, that's a great point to make. And I think, you know, it's very easy when you witness a crime, you've been a victim of a crime, or you see a media report about a crime to think that, you know, to, to take that and say, oh, we have this big problem with crime in San Francisco because crime still does happen. All of these crimes are still happening. But Damien, as you noted, uh, most forms of violent crime are nearing historic lows right now. We've seen this huge drop in really major types of crime across the board. And that's really important to note, even as we see these kind of monthly fluctuations based on different things, that we are really in a pretty good time in terms of lower crime rates. All right, let's talk about a few of the details. Obviously, I've heard from a lot of people in San Francisco who have been worried about the burglaries. 
There's a lot of garage break-ins, as you know, and some people are sort of hardening their homes. What happened with burglaries during the pandemic and why? Yeah, so we um, have found that burglaries are kind of the big crime in San Francisco that went way up. So um, as of May 2021, uh, burglary rates were 32% above their rates in May 2019, which is a pretty big jump. Um, it's, but it's actually lower than their height at the pandemic. Burglaries were even higher last year. So they're getting sort of closer back to normal. Um, and I talked to a couple of criminologists about why burglaries have spiked so much in San Francisco. It's hard to know specifically. One expert I spoke with said that it's possible that a lot of San Franciscans left their homes for places like, you know, Tahoe or family homes elsewhere and vacant homes are more likely to be burgled. So that was part of it. Um, that doesn't seem to explain the whole picture, though. And it's possible also that people who were breaking into cars are um, focusing instead on homes because there are there were fewer cars out during the pandemic. So that's another possible explanation. Um, there's probably a lot going into it. I think also just the economic anxiety of living in a pandemic. Um, there was a lot more unemployment. That could have spurred property crimes to increase in general. And burglaries was just the tip of that spear. And obviously we don't have full data yet, but there is at least some indication that during the pandemic there were less car break-ins. And those have been such a frustration of people in San Francisco. Yeah, so we um, looked at larceny thefts overall and uh, car burglaries fall under the category of larceny thefts. And um, larceny thefts have been down the entire pandemic. And uh, as of May, 2021, they're still 18% below their May, 2019 rates. Um, and on average, larceny thefts have been down by 42% since the pandemic began. So. You know, that kind of uh, counterbalances the burglary increase in some way. There's definitely been a decrease in uh, that, that kind of theft. All right. And but more on the negative side, all over the country and including in Oakland, we've seen a big homicide and gun violence spike. And I, it surprised me because I thought that just going into the pandemic that we would be down across the board. But then we saw these rates rise. What, what did you find and what are the criminologists saying about that? So, yeah, like a lot of other U.S. cities, Oakland has seen a sharp uptick in homicides as the pandemic has unfolded. Um, we found that through May 23rd, the city had recorded 51 homicides, which was a 132 percent increase compared with the same period in 20 last year, um, which included pre-pandemic and a 70 percent increase compared with 2019. And um, I spoke with several criminologists as well as community violence prevention advocates about this. And um, Antoine Towers, who's a community violence prevention advocate in Oakland, told me that um, based on his experience and interacting with people in the community, it's likely that um, school closures have driven many young people into the streets where they might have had conflicts with other young people. Additionally, a lot of violence prevention services that target young people had to shut down during the pandemic, which made it really difficult to prevent violence. Um, drug and alcohol abuse also increased because people were trying to cope with being stuck in their homes and maybe cope with job losses. And finally, loss of income propelled people to commit robberies and other thefts that could have also increased violent interactions. All right, let's take a quick break. I'm joined by Susie Nielsen, Chronicle reporter. We'll be right back on Fifth and Mission. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. 
You can support this show and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa, joined by Chronicle data reporter Susie Nielsen. We're talking about crime trends during the pandemic and maybe now afterward. So, Susie, I want to get a little bit into the politics of some of these things uh, when it comes to the stats. Um, and, and a lot of people need to follow the stats because anecdotally, you can't always tell. You know, that can really drive fear if people are just relying on anecdote. So, in San Francisco, obviously, people are very upset about property crime. There's a big debate about the DA and the police department and their performance. Uh, what can we tell and what can't we tell from these stats? Yeah, so I think there's been a lot of argument about what is causing the change to these different crime rates. So a lot of people in San Francisco have very different opinions. And I know some residents and some people outside of the city believe that, um, for instance, uh, our, our current district attorney, Chase Boudin, plays a really big role in crime rates. However, most criminologists will tell you um, that the election of a specific district attorney has very little to do with crime rates and crime trends because the district attorney doesn't have a role in crime as it happens on the street. Um, law enforcement does generally influence crime rates, like police presence can deter specific types of crime, but the district attorney's job is to charge people with crimes. And most criminologists will tell you that factors influencing crime are way earlier than the DA's role in the process. So you're talking about poverty, uh, economic inequality, um, often, you know, San Francisco is a very dense city with a lot of people of different socioeconomic statuses packed tightly together. And so that creates in, uh, that creates opportunities for property crime. Um, so there's a lot of different factors that come in way before a district attorney would be involved. Um, however, you know, the election of Chase Boudin coincided with this huge societal thing that happened, which was the pandemic, which totally made crimes go haywire. So it is, it's understandable to think that his election played a big role in altering crime rates. But most criminologists I talk to and the data that we analyze just doesn't really, shows that that theory doesn't really hold up. Yeah. And his election also coincided with a lot of efforts to thin out the prisons, which have always been very overcrowded in California. So we have a lot of new policies mm -hmm. that are statewide and they might not be applied the same in different counties based on their politics, but certainly those are um, happening all over the place. Let's talk about, though, that dynamic a little more in San Francisco where people are, you know, obviously people should feel good that violent crime has been going down, but people are also really upset about property crime and they feel like it really affects them a lot more. So what do you hear from people? Yeah, so I think um, one response that I got, so I, I you know, I, I'm on Twitter and I tweet out my articles when I write them. And one respondent said, you know, I said, these crimes, uh, property crimes are slowly returning to their pre-pandemic levels. And one person said, well, yes, that might be true, but these property crimes are coming into our neighborhoods. And I, I, I didn't respond, but I was curious like what they meant by their neighborhoods and maybe you know 
And we actually have analyzed these different crime rates in different neighborhoods and found that, you know, certain neighborhoods, certain more affluent neighborhoods are seeing increases in property crime rates, which may be why we're seeing a lot of vocal frustration around increases in property crime because they're happening to people that maybe didn't experience those types of crimes prior to the pandemic. Um, So that's a possibility. I think it's also, yeah, I, I, I think property crime has been a problem in San Francisco for a long time, though. We've had pretty high property crime rates for many years. Well, that was very diplomatically said. I think <laughs> what you were trying to say is that that some people who believe that certain neighborhoods should be completely free of crime, and, and they should be. Um, all neighborhoods but, should be free of crime all, and property exactly. crime. Everybody, regardless should. of their socioeconomic status, should not have to worry about getting killed or having their things get stolen. All right, exactly. Okay, well, one more issue in terms of of homicides. I mean, this has really become a part, for better or for worse, in the debate over policing strategies, whether we need less or more police, whether we need to really reform and, and think of a, of, a, of a better way. And, and the rise in violent crime has become a big part of that discussion. Yes. No, it's, it's a really interesting discussion. I think you have people on both sides saying, you know, citing research that is really solid, saying that the uh, presence of law enforcement can deter certain types of violent crime. Um, on the other hand, on the other hand, you know, you, there's a lot of community mistrust in particularly communities of color and low-income communities who encounter police. Um, so I think that's just a really, it's a difficult debate. It's something that we have to grapple with as a whole society. Um, one thing that I have heard recently um, that has worked or helped out, at least in Oakland, is um, the rise of community walks, night walks. So specific communities in Oakland who are not necessarily part of law enforcement, but who are concerned about the rise in violence, go out and take a walk through their neighborhood. And that has actually shown to have a deterrent effect on violent crime as well. So I think policing is one part of the conversation, as are so many other things. Yeah, and policing has always taken up a little too much oxygen, I think, in a lot of experts' view in this debate. And and it's things like you said, like community presence, some, sometimes even things like streetlights that can have an even bigger impact um, on crime. And just something like the pandemic shows that, doesn't it? That that with kids not in school, with with a lot of the, the teams down, I mean, it broke up a lot of the, the sort of relationships that might keep people out of trouble. Yeah, and I mean... There's all of this talk about defunding the police. And, you know, for example, the Oakland Police Department did not see a significant change to its funding last year, but violent crime soared. And so this idea that funding of the police is associated with significant changes in crime rates has so far not borne out. I mean, we would have to see what would happen if the department were defunded or significantly given a lot more funding. Um, But for now, it's clear that the wild swings in crime rates that we've seen during the pandemic doesn't have much to do with that change in funding. All right. I want to talk to you about one more thing. And, and it does it does get at this a main issue that we've been talking about, which is fear. And we as journalists are always sort of leery of, of allowing fear to drive this discussion. It's, it's not been a, a positive thing in the past. But your team has reported that gun sales have shot up during the pandemic, and a lot of that is is due to fear. But what what are you finding there? Yeah, so one of my colleagues, um, 
Abhinanda Bhattacharya wrote a great story and did a great data analysis about gun sales in California, which unfortunately are um, in keeping with other national trends. So yeah, during the pandemic, um, 1.26 million guns were purchased in California, and that is a 56% increase from the previous year and the most number of purchases since at least 2000. So yeah, research has shown basically that these additional guns purchased during the pandemic may have contributed to the 25% increase in homicides in the U.S. in 2020. Um, And that's just because firearms are easier to access right now. And for any number of reasons, um, people were experiencing economic insecurity. They had more time with uh, their partners, which may have led to more domestic violence disputes. For many different reasons, the increased access to firearms led to increased violence. All right. Well, I just said uh, we shouldn't be fearful, and now you've given us something to be <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think fearful about. <laughs> I do think that this is a really worrying trend, but um, it'll be hard to it'll be hard to know how it all shakes out until you know for for the next couple of months at least. We'll just have to keep our eyes and ears out to see what happens. All right. Well, we'll be hopeful. As we said, crime has been going down for decades, and we hope that, you know, after the blip in the pandemic, that it might continue in that way. I think that's something we can root for. Mm -hmm. Susie Nielsen, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Damien. Thanks to my guest today. She's Chronicle reporter Susie Nielsen. She's on our new data team. Thanks to Cecilia Lay for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.